Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this week's uh, District Economic Recovery Team Weekly Check-In. I'm John Falchigio, Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development, and this week I'm uh, joined by co-moderator Sabang Lake Cook, uh, who is the Director of uh, Business Development in DEMPED, uh, as well as uh, two guests up on the panel, uh, Angela Franco, the Interim uh, President and CEO of the D.C. Chamber of Commerce, uh, who we're happy to have with us today, and uh, Stephanie Thomas, who's the Director of uh, Great Streets and Retail in DEMPED. Uh, so we just want to welcome everybody. As you know, we're monitoring uh, all the activity up on Capitol Hill uh, because uh, right now we need to make sure that D.C. is made whole uh, for the $750 million that it was shortchanged uh, in the CARES Act. Uh, so as we monitor that, we also are monitoring to make sure, and the mayor keeps advocating for, an extension of the $600 weekly benefit uh, to our workers as well who've been infected by the pandemic. And finally, uh, we want to make sure that uh, the Congress does uh, work uh, to extend and really allow for uh, second draws and other options uh, for the PPP program. So we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, this afternoon as well. Uh, but first up, I want to turn it over to Swangway Cook, who's going to talk to us about some of the recovery items uh, that DEMPED has been working on. Swangway? Thank you so much, Deputy Mayor. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Honored to be before you again today. Uh, I did want to share that the purpose of today is all about how we prepare businesses. We're going to share a couple of uh, some other rounds of funding opportunities that will take place here. And, uh, and in doing so, we wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to kind of share how do you prepare. And so today is really about preparing for the opportunities that are going to be in queue uh, in the next coming week, in the coming weeks. And so with that, what I'd like to do is pass it over to our director, Stephanie Thomas, our Great Streets and Retail Director, and to go through the opportunities that we have for you today. Stephanie? Well, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Deputy Mayor Francisco. Ms. Cook, thank you again. It's a pleasure to be with you here today to talk about the current and upcoming business relief and funding opportunities that are available. The first one that I'd like to start off with is our Neighborhood Prosperity Fund. Neighborhood Prosperity Fund incentivizes community development, economic growth, and job creation through the use of local funds to provide financing for projects that attract private and local uh, uh, dollars to investment to distressed communities. This opportunity is targeted for real estate developers. So DEMPED will fund projects for the non-residential components of mixed-use projects or the commercial development uh, projects that are in those targeted census tracts with unemployment rates that are greater than 10%. For fiscal year 20, the Neighborhood Prosperity Fund has a maximum of $3 million that's available for grant funding towards these mixed-use and commercial real estate projects in these targeted tracks. The minimum application request is $250,000. The notice of funding availability was actually released on Friday, July 3rd, and the request for applications were released last Friday on July 20, 24th and will close on Thursday, August 13th. To determine if your project is situated in a designated Neighborhood Prosperity Fund census tract, 
please refer to the, re the request for application. There is a map there that will also help you to um, put in your address for the project and determine if it is indeed eligible for consideration. So the question is, how do you get ready? And the information is on the website. It is also within the RFA itself. And additionally, we will be hosting a informational session, a one-hour virtual informational session on Thursday, July 30th at 11 a.m. You can register for it at demped.dc.gov um, and go to service, grant opportunity, and there you will find the link that we post at the end of the day to register for the virtual um, conversation information session. Next, I'd like to share a little bit about Great Streets. Great Streets is the district's commercial revitalization initiative. It's led by the Office of the Deputy Mayor for Planning and Economic Development. And it's designated with five, a five-fold purpose, to support existing businesses, to attract new businesses, to increase the district's tax base, to create new job opportunities for district residents, and to transform emerging commercial corridors into thriving, investing, uh, inviting livable, walkable, shoppable neighborhood centers. So often when we talk about money, and in this case we talk about local tax dollars, we're talking about catalytic or impactful, right? And those are community and economic development terms that are somewhat a term of art, but are also the characterization of the funding and the type of outcomes that we're seeking. With the Great Streets Resiliency Fund, we recognize that the COVID-19 pandemic has and continues to present many challenges for our nation, communities, our small businesses, and we recognize also that this new COVID-19-influenced environment requires businesses to remain responsive, quite attentive, and need to build resilience. And we, in turn, desire to provide support. So the upcoming Small Business Resilience Grant will support brick-and-mortar businesses that are located in Great Streets Quarter. And we will provide support for business model restructuring, business continuity planning, related COVID-19 marketing expenses, and specific operational expenses that are related to COVID-19. The awards are anticipated to be between $10,000 to $12,000. The formal announcement of funding availability and application process is expected within the next 60 days. So those documents will outline the grant program and govern the requirements and the application. So how do you get ready? To prepare, some basic elements are being physically situated within a Great Street Corridor, have an active business DC business license and certificate of occupancy, have um, attained or will have the ability to attain a clean hand from DC's Office of Tax and Revenue before the grant funding if you are selected, um, have revenue generation for at least three months prior to the declaration of the COVID-19 emergency uh, response emergency amendment act of 2020. Next, you generate less than $3 million in annual revenue. You demonstrated a loss of income that was due to COVID-19 and that you have your federal tax return or EIN letter available. Again, more details will be posted with the formal request for application. Finally, I'll share about the Great Street Retail Grant Program. Since 2006, Great Street has grown into a multi-year 
program that has supported hundreds of small businesses in 13 quarters through the district. And DEMPED fosters economic development on the Great Street Corridor by investing in small business development via the Great Street Retail Grant. These grants are competitive, are competitive grants up to $50,000 and therefore qualify brick and mortar businesses who wish to improve their business space. We mentioned there about being physically situated in the Great Street Corridor. The designated corridors are 7th Street Northwest, 14th and U Street, which includes Adams Morgan, Mount Pleasant, and Columbia Heights, Connecticut Avenue Northwest, Georgia Avenue Northwest, 8th Street, Bladensburg Road, Benning Road Northeast, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue Southeast, South Capitol Street Southeast and Southwest, Minnesota Avenue, Benning Road Northeast, Nanny Helen Burroughs Northeast, New York Avenue Northeast, North Capitol Street Northeast and Northwest, Pennsylvania Avenue Southeast, Rhode Island Avenue Northeast, and Wisconsin Avenue Northwest. On greatstreet.dc.gov, you'll find a map tool that will help you to determine whether your business is located in the designated Great Street Corridor. Simply enter your address again, and the results will be given to you. So for those who are wondering, how do I get Great Street ready for this opportunity? Well, you have to have a business that's located in the borders of, within the borders or along the borders of the Great Street Corridor, that you're in good standing with D.C.'s uh, Department of Consumer Regulatory Affairs, the Office of Tax and Revenue, the Department of Employment Services, and the Federal Internal Revenue Service. You have to have an active basic license, evidence of site control, possess proof of property and liability insurance, have an active business license, understand the scope of your proposed project, which will include your timeline, your cost, the project management, potential impact to the business corridor and community. Finally, we want you to have your financial records in order and readily available and understand how to create a project budget and financial projections. Again, notice of funding availability and request for applications will uh, detail and govern the application process um, and requirements. So finally, to learn a little bit more about Great Street, you can absolutely feel free to email us, email me at greatstreet at dc.gov, and you can visit greatstreet.dc.gov. The website is absolutely robust with information about the program, and we're happy to serve you. Thanks so much, Stephanie, for all that info, and we'll make sure that uh, we uh, list the greatstreets.dc.gov uh, on social media, but we'll also uh, put it on the coronavirus.dc.gov, all the resources that we've listed for uh, businesses in the recovery section. Uh, so we'll make sure we do that uh, next, and I'm sure we're going to have some questions uh, when we get to the Q&A portion of this, uh, but next I want to bring in uh, Angel Franco. So uh, I've talked about earlier I will have a couple different areas uh, that we're going to be advocating for with the Congress. Uh, the $750 million that we were shortchanged in the CARES Act, uh, extension of the $600 weekly benefit, and then the PPP loans, uh, which have a current deadline of August 8th. So, Angela, you want to tell us a little bit more about the work of the Chamber and then also uh, what you're doing with PPP loans? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you, Mayor, um, Deputy Mayor Facicchio. I'm really excited to be here at the Economic Recovery Town Hall in Manurola, the interim president and CEO of the D.C. Chamber of Commerce. We are committed 
I am personally committed and our board of directors is committed to continue working and supporting the small business community in Washington, D.C. Um, as many of you know, the chamber has been um, in the district for over 80 years. It was founded in 1938, and it has always played a key role in the community, and we want to make sure that especially during these times, we are present and supporting the community. So um, for now, uh, we're going to be supporting businesses to have access to the PPP loans. The deadline is August 8th, so we have to, um, you know, we have to work fast, and for that, we have developed partnerships with financial institutions and CPA firms to be able to give one-on-one -on -one support to small businesses and to be able to direct them to a financial institution. At the same time, we're going to do trainings in the PPP loans, not only for the application process, but also for the application after the loan has approved and awarded. There's certain um, documents that need to be filled out if you want forgiveness of your loan. So we're going to have a person dedicated um, to support our small business community. We're going to be doing outreach uh, using different channels, and uh, all information will be in English and Spanish, the same as the assistance and the training on the PPP loans, the application process, and the, after, uh, the, the process after the loan has been awarded. And um, so I know that uh, that's great that you're doing assistance even after uh, the loan's right. awarded because of the forgiveness aspect of it. And I know right now that if you uh, allocate 60% of it, it's going to be for, uh, to payroll that it'll actually be forgiven. So I think uh, we don't want people just to be able to apply for the loans. Uh, we hope they're successful in doing so, but we also want to make sure that they're forgivable ultimately as well. Absolutely. And as news come out, we'll make sure that we keep all of you informed and all of our businesses informed. And so how do people get more information about the work of the chamber? So you can, um, we have here with us, I mean, you cannot hear, but she's here. We're going to have a person that is a business outreach specialist. She has been with the chamber for years. Her name is Linda Curry. You can email her directly at lcurry, L-C-U-R-R-I-E, at dcchamber.org. Uh, you can also contact Erika Waddington, that is our Director of Public Policy, and her email is dwadlington at dcchamber.org. And you can call 202-379-1897. And as I said before, we're going to be doing a lot of outreach. We want to make sure that we are inclusive, that we're letting all our businesses know, and if it is the right thing for the business, that they have the opportunity to apply for it and also to follow up if they have been awarded the loan as well. Thank you so much, Angela. Um, I think this is such a, it's a huge and a big deal uh, that, that the DC Chamber of Commerce is really stepping up and helping us in this way. There's so many businesses that need this kind of assistance uh, in taking advantage of the CPP loan and also uh, the forgiveness aspect of it as well. So we are extremely appreciative and thank you so much for for sharing this information. And as the Deputy Mayor mentioned, all of this information will be on the coronavirus.dc.gov website under uh, backslash recovery. So if you aren't able to pull this information immediately, please, by all means, go to the coronavirus.dc.gov backslash recovery uh, page. This information will be shared there. 
Uh, with that, what I'd like to do is also introduce uh, two guests that we have with us. They are past recipients of the grant opportunities that Stephanie Thomas, our Grace Youth Director in Retail, mentioned. And so who we, ha who we have with us today is Ms. Anika Hobbs. Uh, she is CEO and Lead Curator for Nubian Human. And then we also have Adrienne Washington, CEO and Founder of Neighborhood Development Company. Uh, Anika Hobbs was a Great Street grantee recipient of the $50,000 grant. And then uh, Adrian Washington's uh, Neighborhood Development Company, they were a recipient of the Neighborhood Prosperity Fund uh, for a project that they have on Benny Road. And I will allow the two of them to first get started and share a little bit about the nature of their business. Uh, Anika, would you like to start first? Sure. Um, so Nubian Human, we actually started in 2013. Um, in Southeast D.C. inside the Anacostia Art Center. Um, so we focus on international artists um, of color from all over the world. Uh, we've worked with about 500 different artists in about six different continents and 35 different countries. Very nice. Thank you so much, Anika. Uh, Mr. Washington, would you like to talk a little bit about your development project? Uh, yes, uh, first of all, let me uh, say thank you to everybody. Thank you, uh, Deputy Mayor Calcicchio, and, and thank you to the team at DEMPAD and, and to Mayor Bowles and everyone in the government who's helped us with this great project. Just a bit about our company. We're the neighborhood development company. We're a D.C.-based company. Uh, we've been in business for 21 years. Uh, we are uh, headquartered in Ward 1, uh, but we've done development projects in all eight wards of the city. Uh, the project that uh, we received the funding from is, is an exciting project uh, in the River Terrace neighborhood called the Benning Market. And what it is is a uh, project that will allow uh, local-based businesses to, uh, to uh, have uh, a chance to, chance to shine, a chance to really be a partner. We're going to provide not just the real estate space, but the programming and the support uh, that they need to, uh, to survive. It's going to be a marketplace type of setup. Uh, sort of similar to what you might see at Union Market, but with a more of a, a local focus, focusing on neighborhoods within uh, Ward 7, and so we hope to, we will feature businesses from Ward 7 and Ward 8, so it'll be food, there'll be crafts, there'll be entertainment, we're going to have an office component, and it's really focused about, number one, neighborhood serving, and number two, about wellness. Uh, we're going to bring healthy food to what's a traditionally been a food desert, we're going to be providing employment opportunities for uh, local people to work. We're going to be providing entrepreneurship opportunities for people who are, you know, established business or even people who are just starting the business for the first time. It's going to be a great place for the community to come and to gather and to prosper and to get healthy. That is extremely exciting. We can't wait to see that development project uh, come to life. I know that uh, uh, the mayor and the administration broke ground. Was that uh, earlier this year or last year? Uh, and it that like was that was late last year. The deputy mayor, uh, John, you were there. Um, I remember you were shoveling your hand, throwing some dirt, and so it was very exciting. So the project's under construction now. You're going to see steel start going up the next few uh, weeks. Um, it'll be, you know, uh, it'll start to really, you know, it's in the ground now, but it'll really start to rise and take form, and it'll be delivered by the end of the year and by first quarter next year with our, our partner, uh, Mary, from uh, Market 7. Uh, we'll be, uh, you know, in there working, getting everything set up, and we'll be, you know, open to the public early next year, COVID or not. Right. 
sounds fantastic. Thank you, Mr. Washington. He said COVID or not, people. I think we like that, right? <laughs> I think we all like that. The sound of that is fantastic. Um, real quick, we just wanted to ask a couple of questions, so please stay on the line. Uh, I think we, we do want to also remind everyone, if you do have a question and you'd like to ask it, be sure to press zero uh, so that we can get you in the queue as well. Uh, but just a couple of questions really quickly. Um, for both of you two, as recipients of one of the Gray Street grantee, the other of Neighborhood Prosperity Fund, um, what has been the, how has that been the, 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 the greatest help in establishing your business and your presence uh, right now? Um, I can go ahead. I can answer that one. Um, definitely what we were able to do with our um, funding was to, to make capital improvements to the space. Um, so before we received the grant, we were a little less than, we were about 500 square feet. Um, and then when we received the grant, we were able to double the size of our space. So now we're roughly 1,000 square feet. Um, and of course, that, was, that allowed us to do so much and the potential um, definitely grew within our business. We were able to bring in different collections. So before we only could carry ladies, a little bit of beauty products and some artwork. Um, and since we've been able to double um, the size of our space, we were actually able to triple in sales, believe it or not. So we were able to bring in kids, uh, men, a home department. So, you know, being able to sell like candles and home goods um, and expand on the beauty side of our business. Um, and then also within that, we were able to improve when it came to services. So we were able to um, allow other businesses to pop up in our space. We were able to hold regular music events, um, trainings, all sorts of, you know, um, opportunities and events um, have been able to, to take place in our space because we're, we now have um, space to accommodate. We've had musicians from all over the world, Yo-Yo Ma, Esperanza Spalding, perform in our space because we now had the uh, floor space to accommodate it. So um, for us, it's been, it's been a world of change. And... Because we are, um, you know, we work with so many brands, it's allowed us to expand our reach even more globally. That is fantastic. I would be remiss if I didn't also extend congratulations because you do have a second store uh, as well. I know it's not in the district, but you have expanded so much so that you, you also have a, a second store that's in Baltimore, correct? We do. We do. I'm here now, actually. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you. Wow. Well, that sounds amazing. I can't wait to actually go there and see it. Uh, I mean, for us, um, really, this project uh, literally could not have got done without the help of the Neighborhood Prosperity Fund in the district. I mean, bringing, you know, we brought traditional sources of capital to this project, but it was, it was unusual. It's not something that your mainstream banks and your mainstream investors kind of, you know, you know, easily take to. So we were able to put in place bank financing, we were able to crowdfund some of the financing, but there was a gap, and it was a gap that really only the government could uh, fill. And so we were, you know, this allowed us to, you know, expand the amount of offerings, to enlarge the size of the project, to make it feasible, to provide, you know, uh, build out money to our partners so that they could, you know, more easily have a footing. So really it was, this was, you know, as a developer, you really try to assemble all the parts and pieces of the puzzle together, and then sometimes it's like that puzzle you do at home, there's like one missing piece, and, you know, without that piece, the, the picture's not complete, and the Neighborhood Prosperity Fund allowed us to complete the puzzle and have that beautiful picture that we're all going to see. 
That is amazing. I, I'm I'm so excited to see what happens with uh, not only the growth of Nubian Human and the work that you guys are doing, but also uh, with the, the bending market that is uh, that is in the ground now. So really excited to see that work, you know, blossom and, and bloom. Um, I wonder in in because I know that the residents and communities are are a lot of neighborhood residents are are familiar with the work that's happening or they see it as they're driving past. Uh, Benning Road, or they've come into Nubian Human uh, that's on Good Hope Road uh, to patronize and take a look at the the wares that are there. I know that there you mentioned that there are a lot of a, a, a local entrepreneurs that also have space uh, in your business, and so I wonder as you guys continue to move through uh, this 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 moment in time through COVID, um, what keeps you going? What is your your why right now? Hmm. What inspired you to being here in D.C.? Um, you know, it's, it's something about walking into the space um, and being able to, to know that you represent other artists um, locally and globally um, that, that look like me and, and products that, and goods that you're very passionate about. Um, and I think you know, even re having received the grant, it's kind of like, it's almost like that cosign of, of like the district sees the value in the business that I'm doing. And so for me, looking beyond COVID, it's been that I have to show up. I, you know, I just feel obligated to show up in a good, very proud way um, of doing what I need to do to get the doors back open, getting my team safe, and being able to serve our community both far and wide. Um, so I think that more than anything, and, and you know, it's, there's nothing like having people in your space and seeing their face, um, you know, them appreciating the energy, the pride that they feel when they walk in. Um, and so for me, that's what keeps me going every single, every single day. Um, it's just pushing for, for that, for people to feel proud about what you're doing um, and to keep your team motivated. And I'm just, you know, honestly, like the Great Street Grant, I, I probably would not have opened my Baltimore store had it not been for the Great Street Grant. Um, it really showed me how to scale my business, um, be smarter, um, and what, you know, opportunities there were and the potential in my business to do and, and be more. So I think that, you know, with the grant also, that's what keeps me going and puts the key in the door. No, that, that, that sounds wonderful. I mean, we're, we're very much the same vein. I mean, you know, throughout our history, I think, you know, even what's going on now, our why hasn't changed, but what's going on now with the, the pain of COVID and, you know, the, the, the pain and the, and the bringing to light of, like, the racial injustice in the country, it's really intensified that why. So, you know, our, you know, Benning Market Project continues the work that we're doing, and it's really about, I think, if I could sum up in two things. One is, bringing fresh food alternatives to the community that, you know, we've just struggled in D.C. And, and some neighborhoods are so prosperous and others are just, you know, they're food deserts and they don't have healthy alternatives and all the negative health outcomes that because of that. And so we're very proud to be able to be bringing health and wellness to the community. And then the second is really about giving people really what well, the bottom line is the opportunity to invest in their own neighborhood. And so it's one of the reasons that, for instance, in addition to the grant that we use crowdfunding to allow people who live in neighborhoods to invest and to, you know, share in the prosperity of it and that we're bringing in local entrepreneurs to uh, allow them to, uh, you know, prosper and to, you know, build their dreams just like the two of us. And I want to give folks like that a start as well. So, you know, 
that why has always been there for our company, but what's going on in the last few months, it's just made it even more important, and we're very proud to partner with the district to help make that happen. Thank you so much. We appreciate the, the feedback and, and sharing sharing that information. Hopefully, I hope that that is inspiration for others as they continue to move through these these difficult and trying times to continue to keep pushing. Um, and with that, I'd, I'd love to also ask uh, Angela Franco just a quick question. You shared so much about PPP uh, and the technical assistance, and I wondered if you if you had any anything else that you would like to share about some of the other work or ideas and, and things that you guys are working on in terms of supporting uh, businesses. Sure. So part of the um, of the application for the PPP loan is giving assistance to business, and when we talk about technical assistance, is an the assistance that a business need the assistance that a business needs to be able to move forward right now we're going to put more efforts on the accounting side so helping them project helping with the numbers but moving forward our goal is to expand that technical assistance especially for um you know for for the rest of this transition um out of the pandemic um, we're also going to provide technical assistance in english and spanish for now we are considering Amharic. We're very aware that there's a large uh, business community, and we'll keep we'll keep all you I mean all of you posted if if that if that's something that that we will be able to do soon. Right. So as the demand requires, obviously we'll be assisting it, and of course we can also help and assist in doing any kind of translation or support that's necessary. Okay. So the answer mm -hmm. is yes. So we will be providing mm -hmm. in in the language in the languages that are needed. Sure. And the most important thing during these times is really to, to understand where we are and what options we have. And I think that that's, I mean, we believe that at this point, that's kind of the support. And the best way we can support a business is helping them understand where they are, helping them apply for the, uh, for the loan if mm -hmm. it is something that is convenient for them. Not, I mean, it's not convenient for everybody to apply for a loan. Every business is different, and every financial situation is different. Absolutely. But at least for us to be able to support them and help them um, with the accounting needs at this point, yes, we will be there. Yeah, and I think that's powerful, the fact that you guys are saying, like, more specifically, it's the financial uh, aspect that, that seems to be the, the, I don't want to necessarily call it an issue, but kind of like the, the opportunity where we can really support and add more value. And so it's, it's exciting to see that the chamber is saying, like, hey, we've identified this as something based on what you're hearing from other businesses, so we need to identify and kind of fill in a gap and support in that way. So I'm exactly. uh, really excited that that is, you know, yeah. really what you guys are focusing in on mm -hmm. is that financial aspect. To help. Yeah, this, this is a time where it's very difficult to project mm -hmm. what's going to happen. I mean, you always, like, do a budget, and you do your budget based on, past projections, mm -hmm. so you project to the future. But this is such a unique situation that we're all doing the best we can to understand where we are mm -hmm. and see what options we have. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. And I wonder for uh, um, Adrian and Anika, if, if you have navigated any of the loan programs uh, by the SBA mm -hmm. or any of the other programs that might be uh, available to entrepreneurs, have you done that during the pandemic? Uh, so I'm sorry, I'll jump in, Anika. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, so we went through the PPP process, and it was um, it was scary at first because I think, you know, going back, you know, it's funny, like months, it seemed like years now, but I remember the beginning that, uh, you know, it seemed like the big businesses jumped to the front of the line. 
and smaller businesses like us, you know, that first round, like the money was gone, like it felt like it was gone like in 10 days. We were like, oh, my God. And so we were so happy when they added the, the second amount of funding, and we worked with a, a local bank um, who really uh, worked very hard and worked at a program, and we got it, and it was, it was very helpful uh, to us. And uh, so we're happy for it, and we're glad that the district is, you know, working to lobby Congress to extend the program. So I think that, you know, it allowed us to keep our employees and keep us going on and keep us focused on what we're doing and not have to, you know, worry as much. And I think that more funding could be helpful. So I'm glad the district is focused on, you know, on trying to push Congress to do more. Yes, same sentiment here. We, we um, applied for the PPP as well. We were awarded the PPP. And um, it definitely helped to keep the wheels going and allow us to open doors again. Yeah, I think what was surprising to me, we had uh, SBA, the uh, Small Business Administration, and uh, City First Bank. Um, and City First Bank provided a checklist of everything that you need to prepare in order to, um, uh, you know, get ready for a PPP loan application. We have it posted on the uh, coronavirus.dc.gov website. Uh, but for uh, Anika and for Adrian, when you looked at that list, what did you, how did you decide to go forward with it? Go ahead, Amika. Um, I, I mean, I would say, you know, it, it's the survival of your business. You have to do what you have to do, you know. I mean, I, I was, you know, it, you have to do it. So um, at least try for it. And, and, you know, luckily we were able to be, a, you know, awarded the grant. But, I mean, it, just, it does take a little bit of time. Some of the things are really quick to gather. Um, so you'd be surprised on some of the things that you probably already have as a business owner. Um, and then the rest is, is going back into your, um, you know, your sales and your, um, you know, your expenses and things like that. But I think if, as long as you're pretty good with your administrative side of your business and you have a pretty good chance of applying and getting awarded. Yeah, I think, you know, for us, I mean, the application process was that tough. I mean, as real estate developers, I mean, we're always applying for loans. And so all the things like financial statements and schedules and things like that, you know, we had those ready to go. I think the tough part for us was that the banks were, you know, as much, you know, in the dark as we were. And we did work with City First Bank. And, you know, they were trying to figure out the program, you know, at the same time we were. And so it was, I think it was really a situation of teamwork where, you know, the local businesses and local banks kind of worked together and said, how can we figure this out? And once we, you know, got that done, it all worked out. And uh, we have a question from social media from a Facebook participant, and I think we'll direct it to Angela. Is the, uh, why, is, uh, the, why is it important to uh, help businesses who've already applied and received for PPP? Because the loan can be forgiven in certain circumstances. So it's important to know, but there's certain documentation that needs to be filled out and sent. So it's important that everybody knows um, what it is that, that they need to do after. Absolutely. And how are you all doing on terms of tracking what you're using the PPP for? Has that been an easier process, or how do you kind of approach that? Uh, Anika, you want to tell us how you're thinking through that? Yeah, I mean, I pretty much have a a routine of tracking my spending anyway. So just making sure that those funds that I had, you know, noted as far as how it was going to be allocated, like, for example, the 60% being towards payroll, that we're making sure that we are, um, you know, following the what we have written into the 
um, loan. So every pretty much every Monday, I am tracking everything that has been spent, and then there's parts of the tracking that's earmarked um, as it leans towards the, the, the loan. Absolutely. And uh, Adrian, for you, when you kind of have talked to the banks, because like you said, you do a lot of work uh, in the city, and a lot of that uh, involves actually talking to banks in order to get things ready. How do you see sort of uh, development for the foreseeable future? Um, I'm going to ask you to kind of take out the crystal ball. Uh, <laughs> we've actually been surprised but uh, about how even some of our complicated affordable housing developments uh, have continue to move forward. Now, some of those were in the pipeline for a long time, but how do you see sort of the borrowing environment as we head through uh, the still the response effort to the pandemic? No, I think, I mean, it's going to depend on, you know, on, on market segments. I mean, clearly there was already just a huge need for affordable housing in the city. I mean, the mayor identified that in her housing plan, and that's going to, you know, even be more intense as people are, are under pressure and, and not able to work. So I think that demand is there, and I think that the financing funding sources for that understand that, and so that's, you know, that's secure. I think the real challenge for the city will be in the retail and the restaurant sector that, you know, these are folks who are struggling. I mean, you know, people aren't going to restaurants now, not just be, not because they're locked down, but because people are scared or because people are out of work and they can't afford it. And so that trickles down. If, you know, restaurants can't open, then, you know, they can't pay their rent. They can't pay their rent, then, you know, people, lenders aren't going to lend, investors aren't going to invest. And then if, if, you know, people who work in restaurants aren't going there, they aren't getting paid, they aren't getting their tip wages, then that hurts the economy as well. So I think it's really at the commercial retail sector. I mean, I think those things will all kind of balance out, but they were already under pressure. I think I heard one forecaster kind of say that what we've seen is, you know, 10 years of change in, in 10 weeks. And so that sector is going to have, you know, a lot of pressure on it. I think offices, I think, you know, they'll be hurt for a while, but, you know, people will come back. I mean, people want to get together and work and congregate. They don't want to be on Zoom calls all the time. So I think that once the, you know, crisis is over and, and you know, there's a vaccine and people will go back to work, that will recover. But I do worry for my friends in the restaurant industry. It was already a tough business. It's going to be much tougher and that's going to, you know, cycle through both, you know, the real estate industry and as well as the tax revenues of the district. But it's going to be a real challenge. And Anika, you have a unique perspective because you are operating both in D.C. and Baltimore. What's kind of – have you seen a difference in terms of response or how customers may be willingness to go into the retail? Uh, have you kind of navigated that in two different jurisdictions? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different between – uh, the district in Maryland, um, we've seen a lot more traffic in D.C. I think maybe there's a little bit more confidence in uh, government, local government there. Um, so we have not seen as much traffic. Uh, during, during the pandemic, however, we did make a huge transition to focusing on what we can do digitally. Uh, so we did focus on our e-commerce business and, and, you know, events and things like that that we could do online. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a significant difference between the two. Um, and for us, it's kind of like how do we prepare for what may happen in the future? You know, if, if this happens again, how, how are we going to be able to survive through it? So, um, yeah, but there's definitely a difference between what we've seen in D.C. Um, even just having been awarded, for example, a micro-grant, we haven't had that in Baltimore, but we've had that in D.C. So, 
Absolutely. And, you know, we're working with our partners on the council uh, because they put forth another grant program uh, to help restaurants, hotel, entertainment, and retail. And so uh, we're working with them on that. However, we still have uh, that $750 million ask before Congress uh, to make us whole. And so one of the uh, uh, Facebook participants asked about how uh, the business community can be supportive of the mayor uh, as they, as she urges Congress to uh, to give us that 750 million, uh, I think the big thing right now is to actually um, to really keep the uh, attention focused on the Senate. Uh, the Senate is where the uh, bill is uh, originating. Uh, the House already passed a version of economic stimulus, and so uh, the Senate decided not to take that up, uh, but to come up with their own bill. Uh, and so what they'll do is they'll come up with a bill. Uh, and pass a version of it. So really, uh, the focus should be on uh, the Senate leadership, uh, so Mitch McConnell. Uh, and really, you know, what's unique about D.C. is uh, we see uh, uh, members of Congress uh, or their staff members uh, when we're out and about, uh, even in the time of a pandemic. Uh, we go to school with them or maybe go to church with them and really kind of just keeping it on your radar and, and calling uh, the Senate offices to say that, D.C. should be made whole. Uh, what's unique is that we were uh, treated like a territory. In every other aspect of the response to the pandemic, we are treated as a state. Uh, Mayor Bowser actually joins calls with governors and the White House. Uh, but for some reason, uh, in the CARES Act, uh, it was decided that D.C. would be a territory, which, again, in no other way in the pandemic are we treated that way. And what it meant was that we got $490 million and we didn't get uh, uh, an additional $750 million, just like every other state, uh, it was based on their size. And so we're going to continue to advocate for it. The business community can call uh, the Senate uh, and really talk to them about what it means uh, to the district. Now, for business specifically, uh, what we've talked about is with the bill that the, co uh, the council has passed, uh, the grants for uh, restaurants, hotels, entertainment, and retail, uh, we can fund that bill if that $750 million uh, comes forward. And so we're anxious to hear what Congress uh, has to uh, say about it in the next package. And right now, all the activity is in the Senate. Uh, so that's why it's so important to reach out to folks in the Senate and let them know uh, how important that is to us. And so I know I'll ask uh, the Chamber to keep getting that information out. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, one more question uh, about the types of businesses that we're seeing apply for uh, resilience and Great Street grants. Uh, Stephanie, you want to talk a little bit about kind of what businesses for each of the buckets of grants? Sure. So for resilience, that is an upcoming grant, but we expect the same type of businesses um, as the Great Street retail grant. So these are restaurants. These are your coffee stores. These are... Um, daycare centers, they have barbershops, they have hair salons, um, dry cleaning. We have businesses that um, it just really range as those, those entities that are in your community that make the community feel like home, um, from grocery stores to, I mean, just a, a full range of businesses. Brick and mortar businesses. Brick and mortar businesses, yeah. Brick and mortar businesses. Absolutely. Great. And uh, Tavang, like, yes. what um, what else has the team been working on? And uh, uh, in this time, I know 
there's been a lot about the technical assistance. Technical assistance. Been kind of the phrase of the day. Today. Yeah, <laughs> it has been. It also, uh, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about uh, child care development centers as well. And so uh, we all know that uh, that uh, through uh, the budget, um, there has been um, some dollars that has been identified for us to put up and, and design an opportunity to support our child care development centers here in the district. And so currently that's something that's in queue that we're working on right now. Uh, and uh, in, in, uh, as we're connecting with OSI and a lot of other stakeholders as well to you know, put together something that's thoughtful and helpful for our development centers, that's definitely something that's in queue. So we can't wait to uh, be able to share more information about that. Uh, we have been talking through a variety of other conversations with stakeholders and, and businesses uh, to support them uh, maybe in their transportation needs. Uh, also, what does another round of funding look like for uh, additional support as you move into the move into the fall? Uh, and so just trying to anticipate as much as we can with what we have and how we can be most helpful. Okay, great. And Angela, as you think about the summer, what uh, what's the chamber going to be focused on for the rest of the summer? Well, right now we're going to be working closely with the Office of Economic Development to support businesses. We are having the state of the district this year. Uh, it's going to be virtual, and basically we're going to be talking about the impact of the pandemic on the business community here in Washington, D.C. We are going to have our small business summit as well. And, um, you know, we're, we're doing networking events for people to connect. I think that even during the pandemic, it's important to have some sort of connection to keep looking for opportunities. Even, you know, as, as we go and entrepreneurs, we all know we accommodate to the circumstances and we we look for opportunities under under whatever circumstance is in front of us. Um, and Adrian, I'm going to uh, put you on the spot here, uh, and I know you'll appreciate this, but uh, will uh, market will the betting market will it do for uh, uh, Ward Seven and for the entrepreneurs in it what the Anacostia Art Center has done for Anika? <laughs> <laughs> well, we will. You know, I don't want to compete, you know. I, I grew up in Anacostia, so I'm kind of a homeboy from there. And now we're, we're doing a lot of stuff in Berber Terrace, so I'm not going to pit one against the other. But, uh, you know, we will do our part for, for, Ward, for Ward 7 and for that particular neighborhood. I just think it's an exciting opportunity. And, uh, you know, Anika, if you want to, you know, we've got a little bit more space left, so if you're looking to open up another location, you know, you can kind of cover both bases. So we'd love to have you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Love and absolutely, Anika, I was going to ask you too, what do you think is kind of, uh, the Anacostia Art Center has like this really neat mix to it, the uh, entrepreneurs, there's a spirit, there's an energy there. How do you think, what's the best advice for Adrian uh, in terms of how to recreate that at uh, his uh, shop? Um, I think Adrian actually already got it. Um, just seeing what the neighborhood really, really needs. Um, you know, as it stands right now, you know, we have a mix of, you know, literacy is an issue. So we have a black-owned bookstore. Um, we have food with Fresh Fruit Factory, Mahogany Books, um, clothing and retail between myself and Vintage and Charms. Um, there's food. There's services. So I think just having a pulse on what the community needs, which Adrian actually at the top of the talk had already started to speak to how they were feeling that need. So it's definitely going to be successful. Absolutely. Adrian, you're up for the challenge? 
<laughs> Absolutely. You know, you know, and, and I think it knows how it is. I mean, as entrepreneurs, you know, you know, right now it's tough, but it's always challenging. You're always, you know, you know, trying to find the right team and trying to get the right capital and, and working with our government partners who are, you know, always doing their best, but sometimes can be difficult. So it's always a challenge. And so we get up every morning and, and, and we do it, and we're going to keep doing it. Absolutely. You know, I sometimes say that, you know, entrepreneurs become entrepreneurs not because it was the easiest way to make a, a living. Uh, they do it because they see a different way, a new and better way to deliver a good or service uh, to their community. And you two are really a great example of that. So we appreciate your dedication to D.C. Uh, so we want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, just want to let everybody know that uh, sort of a programming note, uh, Mayor Bowser this week is going to make a couple of announcements. Uh, one, just about where we are uh, in the pandemic. Uh, you know, recently she instated uh, mayor's order about uh, travel and uh, how uh, residents should and visitors uh, should uh, navigate traveling to high-risk areas. So we'll talk a little bit more about that this week, as well as the plan for school uh, this uh, upcoming uh, fall. And so those are conversations that we'll have at the 11 a.m. Uh, briefings that the mayor does uh, from this very room. Uh, so look out for that. And then from a DEMPED uh, programming note, uh, Sarosh Odpadwala, uh, our director of real estate, uh, who isn't with us today, but we have to get him here soon, uh, is working on uh, the finishing touches on a couple of uh, real estate solicitations. Uh, you know, we put out earlier this month a solicitation for the Langston Slater schools for them to be redeveloped, and we're uh, excited to see what the development community puts forth and make sure it matches kind of the dreams and aspirations of the community to reinvigorate uh, that space. Uh, but we have some other projects uh, that we'll put out uh, this, in the coming weeks. And so we want uh, folks to tune in uh, to demped.dc.gov uh, to check out kind of some of the real estate uh, opportunities. Because even though there's a pandemic, we know that these real estate projects take a long time to plan out. Adrian will attest. And they uh, take a lot of effort from the community, uh, from the government, and from the community builders uh, to really get them off the ground. And we'll have a special focus, uh, as Adrian alluded to, in these times, it's so important to talk about, but also put into place uh, the people, the policies uh, around equity. And so what you'll see in our upcoming solicitations, uh, real estate solicitations, is a focus on disadvantaged business enterprises uh, really leading the way on our real estate solicitations and our awards. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that in the district economic recovery team uh, programming uh, upcoming. But for now, uh, please stay safe. Check out coronavirus.dc.gov. Uh, if you look to uh, the resources page, the recovery page, uh, and also phase two uh, for all the latest about the guidance from DC Health and Mayor Bowser. Thank you all for joining us. And again, be safe.